Brothers and sisters, this afternoon we deal with Lord's Day 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism, as you find that on page 534 of the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 21. And there the church has summarized the Word of God as follows. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself by his Spirit and Word, in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, all and every one, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins nor my sinful nature against which I have to struggle all my life, but will graciously grant me the righteousness of Christ that I may never come into condemnation. So far, our confession of God's word. Beloved in the Lord, brothers and sisters, and boys and girls too then, in Lord's Day 21, we confess what we believe about the Holy Catholic Church of Christ. The church here is then an object of our faith. It's part and parcel of what we believe from the Word of God. And it's important to note that there are people who don't think the church is very important today. As long as you believe in Jesus, as long as you have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter which church you belong to or whether you belong to any church or attend any church at all. The most important thing they say is that you believe. But if you really believe, if you really believe what the Bible says, then you are going to believe a holy Catholic Christian church too. Because God reveals that church in the Bible. You can't separate church from faith, church from Christ. And that's why we have this article about the church in the Apostles' Creed. I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, the communion of saints. This is part and parcel of what we believe according to the Bible. And confessing a holy Catholic Christian church is not a matter of theorizing about the church then, coming up with our own hypothesis about the church, giving our opinion about the church based on our observations about it. No, it means confessing the church as it is spoken of in the Bible, collecting all the information about the church and believing it as we have put it together in our confession. Confessing 
you know, as speaking out of the Bible, saying the same as Scripture. And that's what we do with respect to the church in Lord's Day 21. We say not what we think, what we feel, what we may have experienced. We say what the Bible says about the church and the communion of saints. The Bible is the basis of what we say about the church. And with that in mind, I preach to you God's word as we confess that in Lord's Day 21 with this theme, Holy Catholic Christian Church. And we see that in Lord's Day 21, we confess, first of all, I believe that church. And secondly, I have a task in that church. And in the third place, I find peace in that church. I believe that church, first of all. I believe that the Son of God gathers, defends, and preserves for himself a church chosen to everlasting life. So you can't say anything about the church unless you also talk about the owner of the church and the originator of the church, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The church isn't ours. It's not our church. It's not something people organize and set up and, and so on. No, the church is from above. It's the work of the Son of God on earth here. From the beginning of the world to the end of it, He gathers it together, a church for Himself. It's His work, His church. And that distinguishes the church which we confess here in Lord's Day 21 and in, from Scripture. It, that distinguishes the church from every other human organization on earth. It's the work of the Son of God. He brings it together wherever He wills on earth, wherever He chooses. He defends it. He keeps it. And if you confess that, then you're never going to say, well, church is not that important to me, as long as you believe in Jesus. No, because then you realize you're separating the Lord Jesus from his most glorious work on earth here. The church is his harvest, is the fruit of his cross. He bought it with his precious blood. Whoever plays down the importance of the church is playing down Christ's work in this world. The Bible shows us very clearly with beautiful imagery that the church is Christ's. It belongs to Him. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul calls Christ the bridegroom and the church is the bride which He loves and which He gave Himself for. And elsewhere, the Apostle calls the church the body of which Christ is the head. And in John 10, as we read, Christ speaks of himself as the good shepherd. The church is his flock. You cannot separate Christ and, and church. They belong together. They're a unit as a body with a head is a unit. You can't say then, I want to belong to Jesus Christ, but no thanks to church. That's like saying, I choose for the head, but I... I want it to exist without the body. Or I choose for the bridegroom, but I'm not interested in the bride. You can't love Christ and not love his church. 
They belong together. Paul stated to the elders of Ephesus in Acts 20, he says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He bought the church with his blood. And to reject the church is to reject that for which Christ gave his blood. So whoever loves Christ is going to love his church. That also means, by the way, that church, a, a church, the church is not man-made, the church which we confess. People don't make a church out of themselves. People couldn't do that. Put together a true church of Christ, Christ's church. Divine power is needed to bring together people out of this fallen human race, to bring together people in Christ. And it's then the Son of God who gathers a church out of the human race. He's the good shepherd who gathers a flock around himself. And he does that by means of the Holy Spirit, working in the hearts of people, changing hearts. And the Holy Spirit uses the means of the Word, the Bible, the opening of the Bible. Christ lets the Word be proclaimed all over the world. And so people come to faith. And when they come to faith, they come together. And they want to be an assembly of God's people. They're drawn together, gathered into Christ's church. And that's what it says in Romans 10, verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? See, by his spirit and word, Christ snatches haters of God out of the slavery of sin and the devil. He breaks their chains with his word, wins their hearts for himself by his spirit, and promises them his complete salvation. And he makes them sheep of his pasture, sheep in his flock, wherever he has gathered it in this world. And then they listen to no other voice than his. And he gives them eternal life. And when they die, they join the flock in heaven already. And he brings them in until that sheepfold is full. In the meantime, he also defends his church, the church he's gathered here on earth by his spirit and word. He has received all power in heaven and on earth. He, he ascended into heaven, our Lord, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He governs all things. He surrounds his flock on earth here with tender care. He defends his flock against hirelings and wolves. That doesn't mean, though, that his church won't have to deal with hardship here on earth. Oh, no, the church of Christ is called to fight the good fight of the faith. The Lord Jesus told his apostles, John 16, 33, in this world you will have tribulation. He says that to his apostles. But Christ will never, ever let his church be destroyed. It has existed from the beginning till now, and it will from now till the end. 
The gates of Hades shall not prevail against my church, he said to his disciples in Matthew 16. He who overcame Satan and death is able to also defend his church according to his promise. And not only does Jesus Christ gather and defend his church here on earth, he also preserves it for himself. And that's what we confess also in that same Lord's Day. He gathers, defends, and preserves for himself. That means he sustains his church. He feeds his flock, the good shepherd. He leads his church in the green pastures of his word, of the gospel. Via that word, via the proclamation of the word, he sustains his flock. He feeds them. He said to Peter when he reinstated him as apostle after Peter had denied him three times, you remember, then he said to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And that means open the gospel for them, proclaim the gospel to them. Jesus Christ provides for his flock. But having said all this, having confessed how the good shepherd Jesus Christ gathers, defends, and provides for his flock, we also have to give ourselves over to that work of his then. Christ's work of gathering, defending, and preserving his church does not exclude our responsibility. In fact, it's a call to responsibility. Christ gathers his church in the unity of true faith by spirit and word. We confess that. But then, once we confess that, we also need to let ourselves be gathered into Christ's flock too. And then we need to maintain the unity of faith in the bond of peace too. And that means we need to seek to join and remain in that church of Christ wherever he has gathered it too. That's our, our choice too. Christ gathers. He chooses. But then we need to be gathered and we need to choose and continue to be gathered in his church too. Where is this church then? Where is it? There's thousands of different churches nowadays. Where should we be? Well, we simply have to listen for the voice of the Good Shepherd. Wherever the Word of God, the Word of God is faithfully proclaimed, and where there's structure in place to make sure that that Word is maintained, and then I have to think here of subscription and things like that, profession of faith. Where that word is maintained, there the good shepherd is busy gathering his sheep. But there has to be submission to the word. And not only in the preaching, but also in the administration of the sacraments and in the maintenance of church discipline. Wherever the word is maintained, upheld, wherever there is willingness to submit to the whole word of God, the Bible, there the voice of the Good Shepherd brings the sheep together. There he defends them and keeps them, feeds them. And that means we have to be discerning. We're, we're told that's the way it is. We confess that church. And then we have to be discerning to see where it is. Right? There are lots and lots of gatherings which are not really flocks of Christ but human gatherings where there are hirelings who really don't care for or feed the flock, but instead scatter the sheep. The point is, 
when we know Christ gathers, defends, and preserves His church by His Spirit and Word in the unity of the true faith, then we have to ex exercise our responsibility too. And then we know how to find the church and to maintain the unity of the church. That's our responsibility. The mark of Christ's Holy Catholic Church is always that it keeps the Word, that it listens to the Word of the Good Shepherd, that it submits to the voice of the Good Shepherd. The mark of the Church of Christ is that this world, in this world full of lies, it keeps the Word as the ultimate truth and hope. So is the Church important? Is it important which church you belong to, where you go to church? It is. It certainly is. The church is a matter of faith and remaining in it or joining it where Christ gathers it and keeps it, that's an act of faith. Why do you belong to this church here, members? You're belonging to this church too. Shouldn't ultimately just be a matter of, well, my family or friends or nice people or tradition or being born in it and will always stay a member of it, therefore. No, this should be a matter of hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd, the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. It should be a matter of faith, a matter of being able to say, this is Christ's work here. This is where his holy Catholic church is. Christ calls me here. And if that's why you're here, you're going to love the church. You're going to love it. You'll love the members of the church too. Not simply because you, you like the people or the organization or so, but because it's the flock of the good shepherd and you recognize that. And that's a matter of faith then. We come to the second point of the sermon. I have a task in that church. I believe a holy Catholic Christian church. I also have a task in that church. The church you see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, that's the communion of saints. We confess that, the second question and answer of Lord's Day 21. And we confess some beautiful things about the church then. That flock of people gathered together by the voice of the Good Shepherd is a very unique community. The members of this communion have one thing in common. And they might be completely different in a whole lot of other things, but they have one thing in common. All united with Christ by faith. And so they all share in everything Christ has obtained by his cross. That's the one thing that makes this a very unique communion, a communion of saints, all and everyone connected with Christ as head in heaven. And from heaven, Christ then gives his spiritual gifts to his church. But Christ the head doesn't give his gifts to individuals here and there, notice. He gives his gifts to his whole body. Just as your head doesn't send signals to a loose collection of arms and legs and, and hands and so on, but to the whole body which moves as a unit, so also the church. The members of Christ don't receive his spirit and gifts as all individuals on their own, making their own moves and so on. No, 
together as one body, they function as a body. They all receive the treasures and gifts from above given by Christ as a unit. And those gifts and treasures are then shared with everyone. You realize that means we have a task in the church. All and everyone receive treasures and gifts from Christ the head, which are meant for the whole body. There are treasures, we could say, of Christ's work that all receive. And there are also gifts that only certain persons receive. Certain persons receive this gift and others receive that. And other gifts that are unique to others again. But those, those gifts are meant for the whole body, though. To make the whole body work properly. If you have a gift from the Spirit, it's not just for yourself, then. It is for the body. Think of the passage we read from 1 Corinthians 12. There the apostle uses that beautiful picture of a body in which each is given his or her particular function by the Lord. One is a foot. Another is a hand. Another an eye. Another an ear. All different. And God gives to each a particular place and function in the body. All are necessary to the body to make it operate properly. All work together. All help each other in, in their own way to make the whole body function properly. And see, with that imagery, the Lord teaches us that each and all of us have a place and function in the church of Christ. If we're gathered into it, then we all need each other to function properly as church of Christ. That's what makes the church a work of Christ, too. We all belong together. We need each other. No one is unnecessary. Even if you think this church would be better without certain people, they are necessary to it if they belong to it. If you have the gift and function of being a hand in the body of Christ, then you have the task to offer and give help where that's needed. And there are those in the church who need a hand. The sick, the handicapped, busy mothers, elderly, lonely, needy. And if you have the function of foot in the, in the body, you can drive for others who need to be brought somewhere and seek out those who need comfort and do your best to give comfort to them. And if you're an ear, you can listen, listen carefully so you can hear the truth and pass it on to others. And so that you hear where there's need and you hear where there's prayer needed for others. Lots to do in the church. Lots for everybody to do with their own gifts and abilities. And when it comes to the running of the church, elders and deacons, organists, committee of administration, ladies' aid, evangelism, committee, ushers, Bible study leaders, babysitters, etc., etc., etc. But you know, there are sadly always still people who figure that others are supposed to make the communion of saints work. And then they complain about the communion of saints. Nobody does anything for me. I haven't experienced a lot of the communion of saints. But to use the word of a famous U.S. president in another context, don't ask what the communion of saints can do for you, but ask what you can do for the communion of saints. The catechism is so clear about it, congregation. Everyone duty-bound 
to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. That's what we confess from the Word of God. Use them for the benefit and well-being of the others. Not, no, not for yourself, but for the other members. If we do that, then we're not going to complain anymore. But we'll be ashamed that we don't use our gifts more readily and cheerfully than we do. Test yourselves, brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls, to test yourselves to see if you really use your gifts for building up the body of Christ here. Readily and cheerfully. That's what we confess, Lord's Day 21. Even if you don't think you have many gifts, the body here needs those gifts to function properly. Your gifts, small or great, impressive or not, if you don't use those gifts readily and cheerfully for the others, you're going to end up becoming estranged from the others. But if you do what you can, you build others up, and you yourself are then also built up, and that makes for a healthy body, a vibrant church of Christ. I believe in the church, the communion of saints. The communion of saints. Maybe you don't always see that communion work, and that's sad. But if you really believe the church as communion of saints, then you're going to take action yourself too. You're going to come to deeds yourself and use your gifts. And then you'll experience that communion yourself too. The more you give, the more you're going to get back. We come to the third point. I believe a church of Christ. I have a task in that church. And thirdly, I have peace in that church. Whoever hears the voice of the Good Shepherd congregation and belongs to the church and sees his or her task in the church too then, receives also the greatest gift that Christ gives his church, is assured there of that greatest gift. That person is assured that he receives the forgiveness of all his sins. That's the greatest, most glorious gift and treasure that Christ gives his church. The communion of saints lives out of the forgiveness of sins. The saints aren't, aren't necessarily so holy of themselves, by the way, because by nature we're all haters of God and our neighbor, we're sinners. But Christ says, you belong to my church, I bought the church with my blood. I want to wash you there with my blood. I want to free you of your sins and the guilt of your sins. And I want to assure you of that. That's the greatest gift of all that Christ gives to his church. The complete forgiveness of all our sins through him. That's the, that's the greatest gift anybody could ever hope for. It means peace with God. In the church you find peace. And you see, what takes place here in the church every Sunday in the communion of saints is what the Lord calls, and we read that in 2 Corinthians 5, the ministry of reconciliation. Ministers of the word are ordained to be ambassadors of Christ and to proclaim reconciliation through Christ to the congregation. 
That's how the Apostle Paul writes in that chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. He says there, Now then, and he's talking about himself as apostle and those who come after him too then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, that's what the, the proclamation of the church is actually about. That's what it centers on. That's what Christ wants his ambassadors to proclaim in his church. He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the, the basic message of Christ's church to the world, to all those who are in it too. Christ, Christ is the way, the truth, the life. That's the message to all of you in Christ's church. Christ gave himself for you. Therefore, believe and be reconciled to God. That's what the preaching is about ultimately here. Not about social reform. Not about good morals. Not even about Bible knowledge itself. What you actually come to the church to hear every time again and to experience in the, in the sacraments is this. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ who gave himself for you. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, be reconciled to God then through Jesus Christ. Confess your sins and admit your sinfulness. Acknowledge it. And take hold of Jesus Christ in faith. There's only one way to get rid of your sins and to be reconciled to God. And that's through Jesus Christ crucified. Through Him and only through Him you have peace with God. No matter how deeply you may have fallen in the past, and oh, how our past can sometimes haunt us, eh? And how sinful we are yet. How weak all of us in the communion of saints. So weak and fallible yet. But God will, for the sake of Christ, no more remember our sins, nor our sinful nature but he proclaims us innocent in Jesus Christ. And that's what the church is basically about. That is what the message of the church is. That's the, the, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ is what it's about. The church is charged by Christ with the administration of salvation. And outside of that, the church has really nothing to say. A church where nice events are organized, where good morals are proclaimed, and everybody is nice and friendly, but where the complete forgiveness of all your sins through Jesus Christ isn't what everything centers around, that church cannot be a church of Christ at all. But whoever hears from the ambassadors of Christ the proclamation of the message of forgiveness of sins in the church and accepts that message in faith, believes that message, that person will not be condemned but has peace with God through Jesus Christ. 
and whoever does not believe that message is condemned already because he did not believe in the only Son of the Father. Whoever believes the church's message can live out of the forgiveness of sins now already, can live and die in peace. That person may enter the joy of the Lord and sing the praises of God and of the Lamb before God's throne together with the great multitude of all nations and tribes and tongues, together with the whole church of all ages. And will you be there too, my brother and my sister? Amen.